Welcome back to Endure, the athlete story. Today's guest, we have Owen Martin. Owen is an Ironman triathlete and has competed in 10 Ironman World Championships in Kona and will be heading to his 11th this year. Owen's also a triathlon coach and he runs the Vontu Cycling Studio in Armagh. In this episode, we hear all about Owen's preparation for Ironman um, and how he specifically trains they prepare for Kona and it's a great great episode loads of coaching tips loads of training tips and his positivity and determination is just motivating and inspiring so for anyone that has gone to 10 Kona's is unbelievable and you'll definitely get a lot of inspiration and motivation from this episode as usual these episodes are sponsored by EJX2 Coaching I'm a triathlon coach with a background in sports science and I also provide lactate testing for anyone based in the northwest of Ireland. If you're interested in getting some coaching or just looking for some advice in general, please feel free to get in touch. I'd love to get a chat to you and help you towards your goals. Um, you can email me on ejx2coaching at hotmail.com or you can message me on Facebook or Instagram at ejx2coaching. So, Without further ado, let's get on there. Well, Martin, welcome to Endure, the athlete story. Thanks for coming on the show. How's no things? Problem. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, go on, if you could just take us back first and like tell us a bit about yourself, how you get on the triathlon and that kind of thing. Uh, well, to be doing triathlon now, I think from 2004, I think was my first one to the Arctic. Yeah, 2004 was my first one, 2005 was my first Ironman. Um, and most people would know I played football for most of my life and then done quite a bit of running, although never competitively. Um, and then I got into triathlon and um, I've been doing it from, as I said, the first one in 2004, first Ironman in 2005. And I've been going since that. So that Good was the stuff. beginning anyway. Yeah, and you you mentioned you played football there. Was that from childhood right through? Was that yeah. at what level did you play? Or I played from under ten. So the, mm-hmm. the local, and I think uh, even as a youngster, I was you know I was not hyperactive, but I was I always I always needed to be doing something. Mm-hmm. So I played football from under ten right up to senior football. To I was selected for county football as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. I've Good been stuff. involved in some form of sport from 10 below under yeah. 10, you know. So, yeah, and just to clarify, this is it's Gaelic football, GA. Yes, you play, yeah, yeah. you play any soccer yeah. or no, never did just GA. Good stuff, yeah. Big um, GA, GA, and then done a lot of, quite a bit of kickboxing as well. Okay, um, good stuff, and yeah, so GA, kickboxing, and a, a bit of swimming, but again, not never competitively. Mm-hmm. And then, so at what stage, what kind of age were you when you, you got on the triathlon? Um, well, I'm 48 now, and I started in 2004, so 
So if you are some smart people out there, I can work out the cafe. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I must have been early 30s, because I think my yeah. first age was 30, 34, so yeah. it had to be. It's, it's fair to say it's like late, pr- pretty late to start triathlon when you think of like the kids nowadays are starting when they're 12, 13, and they're yeah. elite by their 20s. So how was that transition for you? Did you feel you had a pretty good level of fitness when you started, or was it a shock to the system? No, I wasn't a shock to the system. I've always been like relatively fit, and um, mm-hmm. you know, but in terms of like whenever I, I know it may seem as if I come into triathlon fairly late, but that was almost a standard of things in, yeah. in those days. You know, like thirty, you know, late mid to late twenties and early thirties was seen as as actually very young to be yeah. in the triathlon in in those days and it's not really until probably i've actually noticed it myself in the last few years two three four years where you know even when I, so whenever i was racing in, in the first few years there was very 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 few younger lads there in the in the younger age groups the 20 to 25 mm-hmm. the 29 25 29s and now there's actually quite a lot and mm-hmm. um, but so it, it's, it's certainly becoming even the mid to long distance game now you know, there's more and more youngsters coming into it because I think there's more and more youngsters you know, doing either competitive swimmers, competitive bikers or competitive runners from an early age now and then just making that nat- natural transition to triathlon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is good to see. It's good to see. Um, yeah. I'm just glad I don't have to, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're quite as- That's it. And did you, when you get into triathlon, was it, just for the crack at the start and then you get hooked on it or what made you decide they be still doing it all these years later and at a high level yeah, it was just originally i was it was just for the crack i was actually meant to do um a relay for the belfast marathon and my partner didn't turn up and i was a bit ticked off and i went for a bit of lunch that afternoon and i met a friend um and he suggested the camel triathlon was taking place um the following weekend mm-hmm. and he said we're so i would do that and I, I, I didn't own a bike. Um, I, yes, I had a pair of running shoes. I didn't own a wetsuit. So I borrowed a, a, some a local guy at a, at a skidoo. And I, I borrowed his skidoo wetsuit, borrowed a bike, and off I went. And I did this rally. And, you know, I, as I said, I was running, so I was fit enough, but not yeah. nowhere near compared to what I would be now. And I just did, I did the swim, did the bike, and did the run, and I loved it. I was just completely hooked, playing a sinkered. Mm-hmm. And, that day after Camilla, I was changing the back of a van with a couple of, with one friend who had competed in Ironman Frankfurt on the year before that. It was his first Ironman, and I was in total amazement at this this distance he had done because I had just completed a sprint trial and, and I was nearly dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it was it was very very intriguing that this three point eight k swim, one hundred and twelve mile bike, and a marathon after that. I just thought there was an absolute impossibility to do, judging on how I felt after the first sprint trial. Yeah, but about a week or two later, I signed up for the first Ironman, which I did the following year. Very good. Um, so that was my progression: sprint, Ironman. There was nothing in between. <laughs> That's not not the usual path. There's usually a bit of a build up. What what Ironman was it? Uh, it was Austria. Austria. And yeah. how did, how was that experience on the day? It was great. Yeah, yeah, it was. Great. Yeah, it was. It was just even. It's, it it was, even thinking back of it now, it was just so, so exciting. And, you know, I would have seen some videos and some pictures of guys in Ireland who would have done Ironmans and stuff before. And for me, it was just totally fascinating, this distance. And um, mm-hmm. almost impossible in my mind. I said, well, hopefully I can do it. And 
it was just the buzz of the whole Ironman show that they do put on. Because they do put on quite a bit, a good show, and it was fantastic. I loved it, and uh, you know, I was just I was hook, line, and sinkered from that mm. first first race in, in Austria. Yeah, and and in your preparation for that one, because now for anyone that follows you on Instagram, or if you don't follow on Instagram, get over and follow him because he's got some great. You put up videos and some advice, coaching and stuff. Um, yeah. but you can tell that you're extremely disciplined now. You obviously do a lot of training, you you've power, heart rate, all measurements, and you put up some data and stuff. It's really interesting to follow. But back then, training for your first Ironman, did you have a clue what you were doing? Because I think a lot of people have to just wing it in their first one, or were you getting advice from or coaching? No, no, no clue whatsoever. I had no, I had no idea. <laughs> Um, you know, I just my training plan in those days was I got up and I looked at the window and I said, "What will I do today?" And you know, I just I just if I I would probably swim. If so, if I swam, the swim would be the only session of the day, or a run, or a bike. So it was only ever one session of a day, mm-hmm. and then on a Saturday, whatever long bike I did do, I'd probably do a fifteen or twenty minute run off the bike. Um, I can't remember what volume I did, but I couldn't have been I couldn't have been too big. Yeah. Uh, and you know it got me through rightly. I think the longest swim I actually did before I actually went to the race was three k, and I thought, well, you know, well, I can swim three k, so surely I can get through three point eight k. And I and I only actually swam three k twice, so yeah, I, I have no idea how I got through the swim. It was just by the grace of God, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's it's a good it's a good thing. You know, going back to what you said a few moments ago, it's a it's a point I would disagree with. But lots of people think that to do an Ironman the need to go through a certain route it needs to be sprint it needs to be Olympic and then they need to do a couple of halves and maybe and then they need to go for an Ironman I completely disagree with that totally and you know and it's not that I was any sort of a special athlete or anything like that it was just people should have a bit more faith in themselves you know Mm -hmm. there's no doubt if you you do a sprint this year you know you could probably even do an Ironman in the same year or certainly Mm -hmm. the next year Um, I'm not for that there's a progression you know you need Mm -hmm. to do this thing build yourself up but you don't none of us do because yeah. i certainly I mentioned had no natural talent at long distance swimming biking 112 miles and certain most certainly running the marathon so it's doable it's very very doable yeah. people shouldn't yeah because they're uh, they're essentially different they're the same sport but they're def- completely different disciplines it's like different training and different yeah. preparation for nutrition and stuff so the difficult parts of training for a sprint and getting that right of being fast as you can but recovering that you don't have as much maybe of a headache when you're doing Ironman it's more just the basic endurance you need to build up so I think you're right I agree with the air although the most common the most common progression is up through or a few years at a certain distance yeah. and then progress on but you can certainly go go straight for it and and then how did that build on then on the to getting the more where you're at now of knowing your body training properly after that next Ironman. So uh, when I done the first one, I knew straight away, I was definitely going to do a second one. And mm-hmm. uh, so did the first one in Austria and then again, the guys was hanging around at the time. He said, well, where will, will we go next year? And we just, I think the second one was Switzerland again, not really I had no coaching or anything at all for the next year. I just knew, you know, I just did more of the same really. And mm-hmm. you know what? Like when I did it's stuff, I wouldn't even dream about doing now. But when Austria did take place, or I, I thought I was the, the ultimate legend in the whole of the world, and came home and 
as far as I'm concerned, I achieved everything that I had to be to be achieved. And you know, went on a probably beer for three or four weeks after that. And whatever bit of weight I lost, I put it all back on again. And then it came Christmas. And I can, I can remember it very vividly. You know, so I, I started say in January to train towards my second Ironman, which is Ironman in Switzerland. I just put every bit of weight back on that I'd, you know, I, I went from, I lost about 10 kilos or something like that there training for the first Ironman. And I put it all back on again. And I was just ticked off myself. Couldn't believe I did this. And But again, I got back into good enough shape. I went and done Ironman in Switzerland. Um, and because I'd, because I'd done one Ironman, I thought I knew everything that there was to know about Ironman. And, you know, I swam the swim fairly hard, probably too hard. And then I got on the, the bike and I thought I was the world's best time fellist. And I would just beat everybody on the bike. You know, I was just another fool, you know, just bombing it. And, you know, I can remember going up so there was some quite steep climbs and that's at the the old course I'm not too sure what it's like now and so, you know I just remember just trying to beat everybody to the top of the hill and then having to freewheel the whole way down because I was utterly knackered mm-hmm. and you know got to the run and I maybe I, I may have ran or jogged if you want to call that the first 10k and then it was was walking and it was the whole thing and then I actually didn't feel too bad my last 10k was the quickest of all but that's probably because I walked so much in the in, in the middle too yeah and you know I did it and I learned a lot of lessons that year and but I loved it, you know. I I I loved that like sprint sprint triathlons, duathlons, Olympic triathlons are that they're not even painful, but you, you, but you just have to go so so hard. You, you're mm-hmm. never at no stage really really hard on an Ironman, yeah. or you shouldn't be any. And uh, that slow 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 type of suffering, I just loved it, you know. And I mm-hmm. love the feeling you get towards the self of achievement, the many many months of preparation that has to go into it, and it's a it's a reward you know and so that was the second one um, and again I, I did the exact same when i came home the second one i went, probably went in the beer for three or four weeks and did, and did all of the good that i'd done in the previous years and got myself back the following january and i think the third one then was lanzarote and mm-hmm. oh, what a one to pick and and that that's probably that the year i did lanzarote was the first time i'd ever been on the island of lanzarote mm-hmm. and uh, that was a big mistake you know that's probably it's the only race actually Ironman I've ever done to date where if I, the night before the race I was so petrified of the next day that if Ashton had said to me you know what we'll, we'll go home tomorrow morning instead of doing it I definitely would have went home I was so petrified I was actually physically sick I was just like even though I can think about it I just did not want to do the race the next morning at yeah. all pure nerves just pure yeah. fear pure nerves though it was it was one of those when it was windy all the time in Lanzarote yeah. but it seemed very very windy and I just got super super intimidated by the conditions um, and you know 400 meters into the swim I can remember laughing to myself going what were you worried about you're an idiot and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a great race you know it was yeah. one of my slower races because of the it was really really hot and uh, really really windy that year but it's just one of those races and every race I've done ever since I've learned something from it, even in those early, early days to right up to where I am now. Mm-hmm. I would say racing in Lanzarote would be absolutely brutal. I've trained there for a week and yeah. it's just one and the bike, every yeah. time you go out in the bike, it's just tough. You're just, yeah. it's just but tough. And the run, I would say it'd be tougher, but I suppose that's part of it. And you said you were really nervous before that race. Was it what, could you take from that now and your next races or now that they deal with those nerves or yeah well as i said like even 
I do. I, I, do. I honestly don't have any Ironmans I've done. There's probably 20 plus or whatever it is. It has to be 20 plus, 20, 25, whatever it is. But even to my most recent ones, there hasn't been a race that I've come away with that I've actually, that, that I have not learned something. Mm-hmm. Because we all, you know, if you think you know everything about Ironman racing, no matter if you're first time or 20 or 30 or whatever it is, you're a fool, you know, mm-hmm. because it's it's a non-stop learning thing um, and you know the, maybe the older you get the wiser you get you, we all make mistakes in the first two or three years I wasn't getting coached because it, it, it really wasn't a thing in those days you know it's mm-hmm. uh, many people were getting coached in those days and I just didn't know but you know I I, I still get through the race okay mm-hmm. and then the, the more you do and then you know you just become wiser and learn by your mistakes if you don't learn by your mistakes then you're a true idiot <laughs> um, and yeah so you know, it's, it's it's all a part of the journey you know the, yeah. the, the race is a part of the journey and for me anyway you know and I enjoy the learning process I enjoy obviously the competition I really enjoy the training as everybody else should do too and and probably as the years have gone on I've learned to take it even though I, I want to be extremely competitive and I train to be competitive and stuff I've certainly and again, this is probably through age. I've become a lot more wiser and taken the pressure off myself. Yeah. Going to your question, you know, in Lanzarote, I just put so, so much pressure on myself. No, I didn't. In those days, I didn't know what. I didn't even hear about Cone. I didn't even know about Cone when I got there. Mm-hmm. But I let the I let the course intimidate me so much. I let the conditions. I said, "Oh, geez, it's going to be so windy tomorrow. I'm never going to be able to bike the bike." You know, I completely talked myself out of the race because of the conditions. Because mm-hmm. it was going to be windy. And, I actually drove the course tw- uh, twice, which was a big mistake. And I just freaked myself out. You know, I was freaking myself out of stuff that I had no control over whatsoever. Mm-hmm. None. You know, I can't yeah. control the wind. I can't control those hills. They're just facts and they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so I took that into to other races and it's probably more so in even Kona. You know, you, you know, you, it, it will be what it'll be if it's going to be very, very hot or it's going to be very, very windy or whatever happens to be, there's stuff that you cannot control. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have to control the controllables, as I said, and then generally you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And just as you touched on there, on Kona, at what point did you hear about Kona and realize it was something that you could qualify for? And first, for a bit of context, how many Konas have you been to, competed at? Ten. So I've been to 10 so far um, and I'd, uh, I have qualified. Well, 2020, it was, was meant to be number 11. So all yeah. going well in a few months time or whatever it is, 20, 18, 19 weeks will be number 11. That's unbelievable. 10 Konas yeah. and heading yeah. to your 11th, which is a lot. But is there anyone else that you know of that is age grouper in Ireland even that has been to that many? No, or? I don't know. Not in Ireland. I'm sure there is maybe yeah. around the world. Um, but I, I don't uh, there's well there's a few lads in Ireland that has done I know Martin like Martin Lundoon I think he's done seven or eight I, this could be Martin Kennedy was saying that I think it's seven or eight mm-hmm. you know Declan Silas competed over there quite a lot I'm sure he's either at 10 or something like that uh, Ivan O'Gorman based over in Boulder he's been there quite frequently as well mm-hmm. so there is quite a few lads out there that has been there you know five six seven eight maybe yeah. even nine times um, I don't think anybody. Well, I've only been there ten times, so I haven't been there there eleven so far. Only, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, it's a massive feat in itself to qualify because you have to do a, a, a an Ironman to qualify, isn't that right? You can't just 
rock up to Kona and decide you're doing it. You have to go and do an Ironman, yeah. which is usually somewhere else in the world. So it's it's even the logistics of doing an Ironman at the start of the year or and qualifying and then being getting ready for Kona again the next year. What what are the qualifying is the qualifying process is a top three in any Ironman race or it just depends or yeah more or less um as as more like at the moment at the moment if you want to qualify it's you have to fit depending on your age group of course mm-hmm. um have to qualify um you know apart from the younger age groups but certainly say in my age group is 45 49 there's generally three slots and um, mm. so it's yeah they finish first second or third um, and that's really it. and you know even in these years um they they don't really roll down all that much and the year one well, well, I think the first year I qualified in from Frankfurt, there was 20 slots. You know, like okay. that's very unheard of. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is simply because the amount of athletes there is and the amount of races that there is on the thing. But yeah, so if you want to go to Kona, you need to be thinking of getting first, second, or third at least in your age group. And then but sometimes it rolls down fourth, fifth, and sixth. But you, you can't be banking on getting a roll down. You know, you have to go with the intention of either coming on that, on one of the top steps anyway. Mm-hmm. And then, so did you qualify for Kona after your first Ironman in Frankfurt? No. Did you say? no. Uh, Fra- so it was Austria, it was Switzerland, it was Lanzarote, I'd done Frankfurt. Oh. And then the next year I went back, I'd done Frankfurt. I'd done Frankfurt two years in a row. I mm-hmm. qualified the year. And, and just go back to your question. And like in the, those first years, I had I'd never even heard of Kona. I didn't even know where it was uh, or where it was. And it wasn't until a friend of mine, Liam Dolan, he had qualified uh, the year before me. And just someone said to me, God, Liam qualified for Kona. And I'm going, well, what's in Kona? Where is Kona? Mm-hmm. And even even it wasn't until he actually did the race and completed, and completed the race where it actually made me stand up to attention. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> what is this place, Kona? And he, he did it and he'd done his race and he came home and then it was coming near Christmas and the two of us now for a couple of years and I was just, I was inquisitive. Well, what is this place? So what's the story? And he just told me all about it. And I, and I, I remembered it was in Brewbakers in the dock and I can remember saying, well, I'll be there next year. And so, you know, and I realized that I was, I don't know if I could do it, but I was, I was coming to a reasonable standard. I think that that year I had just done, I think it was 949 or something like that in, in uh, Frankfurt. And, mm-hmm probably wouldn't have got me a Kona slot and I knew that I would have need I would need to improve to get that Kona slot but it's just me once I committed I didn't know if I'd get her or not but I knew I was going to try and I mm-hmm. did good stuff and then you what was a consecutive 10 years in a row that you went then yeah yeah tell us a bit about that journey then when you when you're qualified for Kona and you're so many months out and is that just a massive motivator just every day to just get out and train and the excitement of getting out there and racing? When you have already qualified. When you have qualified, when it's secured, yeah. Yeah, well, I think when you've already qualified, for me, you know, the qualifying is, is the cream on the, you know, on the top of the gig. You know, it's, it's, there's no pressure after that. You mm-hmm. know, once you've qualified, you know, you do, it's, you know, of course, if you've qualified for your first time, I qualified and all I wanted to do was get there. Mm-hmm. And I got there just blown away by the whole spectacle that Kona mm-hmm. is. Um, so, you know, qualifying is, is the most difficult part. And most of the work for me, anyway, most of the, of the focus and 
drive is for actual qualifying and then once I qualify or if I qualify the pressure goes off me because then all I really have to do is go back into to Ironman training mode because you know at the end of the day it is the race it's just a very special and fantastic place so you know it's I I don't need much motivation um, or any motivation to know Mm -hmm. there's a race over it's 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 easy it really really is easy but you have to qualify for yeah hard bit and when you get out there tell us about about how that feels like when you're out there and you see the pros are out and about and everyone's out in the fancy bikes and training and just is that just another buzz on top of the buzz that you already have and it it just yeah i've been there 10 times and even even thinking about it makes me so excited now it's it's special it's really really special i think for people who have never been there and, and i know we all see it on youtube and videos and all this type of stuff it's quite a small place it's a very 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 small place you know the, mm-hmm. the, the island i know it's a big enough island but the location of where the race takes place it's probably only about a 200 meter stretch of of, of road mm-hmm. and the beach itself you know if you put 15 people standing on the beach it's crowded and mm-hmm. um, not until you go out in the bay where that, obviously that was famous open water swim footage starts but it's a it's a small tiny town and it's but it's nice you know the, the whole build up and we, we follow all our pros and our idols on you on youtube and instagram and all these places and you're sitting beside them in the cafes mm-hmm. having the down the roads them you know one year myself and martin actually rode back in the road with, with jan Ferdino. Mm-hmm. and it's great you know and it, yeah. it's just special and it's just for me it's 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 a reward for all of the effort and hard work and dedication and just it's, it's just difficult to qualify it's yeah. really difficult and to get there then the pressure's off the pressure really is off and you know it's like a not a pat on the back but it's you know well done you're here and enjoy mm-hmm. it when you're here mm-hmm. and can you do, you do you let yourself enjoy it in the race even though it's it's going to be tough it's going to be hot it's going to be yeah. difficult. You just enjoy that and you're well trained for it. So, yeah, yes and no. And um, for the first year, especially, I didn't, you know, I know, I know all I wanted to do was be there. I wanted just to finish the race and that was it. And even the second and third year, that's really all I wanted to be to do. And then, you know, it's just, it's just, I think, in my nature to be competitive or want to be competitive. And then to realize, well, well actually, over Lumber One, I've qualified consecutive years. So I mustn't be all that bad. And, you know, for a number of years now, I've been trying to, I have the ability, but just to get on the podium in Kona in my age group. Mm-hmm. So I've been chasing that for a few years. And, with, you know, it's, I, can't, I can't be down on myself because if a, a couple of bike, well, bike accidents, nutritional strategy, you got them wrong. Um, just stuff has happened. But that's, you know, you have to accept that. You know, mm-hmm. it can't all be broken in the garden. And, you know, stuff happened for a reason. And, you know, I just, I, I won't give up, you know, mm-hmm. and... I'll give up on my terms, but I, w- I certainly won't give up on, I can't do it because I know I could do it and I'm mm. going to keep chasing until I do do it. How important is patience? They have to wait for like a full year for that to come back around, keep the head, get back on the training. Is that important in, for any athlete, but for yourself? <laughs> yeah, well, patience is definitely key, but you know, I know it, it's, it's a full year. It's most the last three or four years I've qualified about five weeks after Kona. So okay. uh, many years ago was I don't so I competed in Kona one year and then I said, you know what, I, I I'll go to Arizona. Because Arizona was four, five weeks after Kona. And it's something I'd never done before. 
And I said, well, I'll go to Arizona, I'll race. Because no more, it was a race I wanted to do. It's a location that I wanted to do. And I said, well, if I go, and if I, if I qualify, well and good. And if I don't qualify, well, big, no big deal. I have a full year to mm. have a, I can take off. And then I, from January, I can go and do Frankfurt, Austria, anywhere at all, really, and try and re-qualify. So it was just a gamble I took. Mm-hmm. And the gamble, so I done Kona, five, five weeks later, I qualified again then for the following Kona. And it was just great. Yeah. Um, even like from a financial terms, it gives you a full year to save up and to plan your trip. And it's just for me, it left everything very, very easy for a full year. And you know, you know, January's, February's, March's, there's no racing for anybody, maybe a couple of duathlons. But you know, in normal years, you know, there's I would try and do a half Ironman certainly at the end of April, maybe May, and whatever locals with ones is here. And mm-hmm. so, like, there's always racing to do. Um, uh, pre-Kona so it's not that you're going to get bored you shouldn't be getting bored and yeah. then you know at the end of the day just trying to keep yourself in a proper training structure that you're peaking for Kona mm-hmm. and that's it really you know it's, it's I, I don't I don't really find that end of it difficult at all yeah and you mentioned there on a goal is to get in the podium an age group podium in Kona which is a massive massive achievement how yeah. how close have you been to that and and do you think it's something within your grasp now in the next corner coming up? Yeah, um, I think my best was, I think I, I, I don't know, I think it was 14th, 15th or something like that. Something mm-hmm. that's telling me a lot, that could be wrong. Um, but I was definitely in the ballpark figure and mm-hmm. I, w- I wasn't that far at all. And so it's not that it's a goal that's pie in the sky. It's something that there's no yeah. doubt I can do. Because that'd be, be the hundreds in your age group there? How many being? Yeah. There's hundreds in each age group, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, generally the 40, 44, 45, 49 are the two major guess, uh, yeah. age groups. So there's probably a, a 450 to 500 in the age group. Mm-hmm. And every so. year I've been in the top, in the, in the top, in the top end of that. Well, most years, apart from mechanicals and stuff. But yeah, so it's, 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 a, it's a, you know, we all have to have goals and dreams. And I think whenever you're, grumpy and you're looking out the window when it's raining and stuff and you know if you if you if you don't have a goal whether it's a, a podium in Kona or whatever it happens to be how are you ever going to motivate yourself to take it out the door you know and especially find it now with even at least you look around and because we've all been in this lockdown for so long and I can, I'm looking around and I'm seeing people so sort of demotivated I think we've all been well not me anyway people have been conditioned that this is the new new and mm-hmm. I think people are finding it hard to get their mind back into well, well racing is going to happen now and we, we need to do it you know mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's exciting too I suppose yeah and you just mentioned there like people being motivated and you have to have dreams and if you don't how do you find the motivation? What advice have you got for somebody that maybe has just started triathlon? They're fairly average because they're new to it. Um, but what, like, they give them that belief that they can be good. Like, like the likes of yourself coming on it, you weren't, you weren't have a background in elite level at any of the three. You just worked hard at it and got to where you are. What have you got advice wise for for someone in that position? I think you answered the question. You know, it was really simple. You know, I definitely had no talent at swimming. I had no talent at the biking, and I had no talent at running at all. You know, I was mm. okay. I was generally, I was no certainly no high end elite type athlete, and I came into it 
And the only thing I had is is a will to win and a will to mm. succeed and patience. Um, you know, depending on your distance, on your chosen distance, like it just takes patience. You know, I, I, sometimes it frustrates me. I see people coming into the sport and to think that you know January, February, and March, and then we sort of get into shape, and then the, everybody thinks that they're good to go come April and May, and it's not. You know, it, it's even athletes who I work with now. It, depending on their level you know it's a it's a two or three year project at a minimum yeah um and it's only the people who i know who who perform continually year after like year after year in kona i see you see mostly the same people mostly the the same age groupers there year after year after year mm-hmm. and whenever you sit there and you talk to them and you, you feel as if you're always talking to yourself because you, you, you see the same drive, the same motivation, the same will to win. That for me is, is, the, is the classic A-plus type athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, they show the, the resilience, they show the patience, they show the will to win, they show everything. And Every athlete, regardless of his or her ability at the moment, can do that if they have the patience to commit to it and expect don't expect magic to happen in the first six months or even six other, even the first year of their mm-hmm. of their training and you know remember that it's not it's not all about the end goal you know you, you sort of need to be sort of kind to yourself it's it's, it's, the, it's the bit in between that's the fun you know and mm-hmm. if you're putting pressure on yourself to perform or geez i have to do this and have to do that and you shouldn't do it really then it's it training is enjoyable i enjoy training i love mm-hmm. swimming i love biking i love running and it's not a job to me mm-hmm. i love it um, and I think that's what probably has made me so consistent for so many, many years because I don't find the struggle. I just love it so much. And mm-hmm. um, that, I think, is what happens. Maybe other people, they, where they, they just they lose patience after a while and yeah. then they sort of give up on the, on, on the dreams, big or small. And, and I don't know, that's probably where the elite sort of push ahead and the other, but the others just... Or wiggling around in no man's land. Mm-hmm. I think it's great advice. Just the patience and the enjoyment of it, and the consistency over years. You say it's at least a two to three year project from beginning, starting out, to getting to a decent level. And you might mm-hmm. have the very, very small minority that are talented and get better in a year or something. But for the vast majority of us, it's it's a long term yeah. process and. Just yeah. staying around long enough, enjoying it long enough, they they see how good you can get. I think. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's setting goals, you know. And like even I always say to people, and it's something I did do years ago. You know, I sat down, I wrote down three of my goals, and you know, one was what I thought was completely unrealistic, but I still wrote down anyway. And then the, the other two were, okay, if I work hard, I can get this, or I can do this, and and I got all three, mm-hmm. and. You know, so it's you know it's it's easier said than done but you know I, th- I think it's it's different in these days compared to whenever I started out first uh, you know there was a couple of guys who I could call on for experience but even whenever I look back they even weren't even that experienced but at least they had experience for mm-hmm. me and for us all now we're, we're, we're constantly surrounded but with social media and coaches and you know there's there's just a vast wealth of knowledge out there there's like no athlete should have any excuse to not be able to put themselves on the right road yeah and um, you know i'm not i'm not saying everybody needs to be coached but 
it it's uh, well no, it, it it'll definitely help for starters anyway mm-hmm. um and, you know it's it, some can go it alone some think they can go it alone but it's just there's no reason to go it alone anymore because there's so many people out there that can help us all yeah and um, regardless of what level you're at you know yeah. so and you'd never be afraid to ask for that help yeah that's good stuff and i think just based on what you're saying there writing down goals and stuff we had steve true on the show last week um his episode was out on wednesday and he was saying i was asking him similar thing about what advice would he have and for young people in particular but um he said don't just like say i want to be good like write down what you want you want to swim this time or and go after that goal and enjoy that process of it rather than just i think sometimes people are afraid to say goals and afraid they because people laugh them i want to run 15 minutes for 5k and you're currently at 22 minutes then you're going to think they'll get laughed at but i think as you say there you have to dream big and you have to have a goal that scares you and you think i might not do that and but go for it and see what happens because if you land even just short of it it's probably still better than where you're at at the moment but at least you'll have tried and then proved the the data wrong because there are so many people out there with, with negative attitudes and their only job is, is to shoot people down with dreams. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, I get it too. You know, there's so many people out there that are, but thankfully I'm surrounded by mostly positive people. And, you know, for me, what, one of my main things is, is I definitely surround myself with positive people. And mm-hmm. um, uh, for the simple reason is why would you waste your time on negative people? Because all their, their job in life is to do is to drag you down. And uh, it's just, you need to do that. You definitely need to do that. And in terms of, I love being able to do something or say do something and hear those little remarks here and there and put the finger up to them whenever I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Who's, la- who, who's laughing now, my man? That's it. It's a good, it's a good, good motivation at the same yeah. time. So it's good to have have people like that, maybe. Um, Owen, well, just tell us a bit about now where you're at now in the years you've built up of training and experience racing what does your typical training look like at the moment so you're well experienced well trained training for Kona in October what what's it looking like at the moment for you so I think today I think is 18 weeks out um from Kona so even the whole way through last year even when even when we knew Kona wasn't going to take place um Mm the COVID thing um, I kept on training as if Kona was going to take place um, mm. because at, for me I never want to come down to a level where I make it di- really difficult mm-hmm. to get back up again a decent level of fitness um, and you know again I do believe Kona well Kona definitely will take place this year um, yeah. it's just I'm just hoping that travel will open up to allow us to travel over to it I, I, which I believe it will um, so we're 18 weeks out at the moment and things are ramping up um, good news of a 70.3 in a few weeks time and sort of prepping for that and a couple of Olympics and stuff and so it'll be, it's going to be busy enough and it's just getting those miles in uh, I know what needs to be done and because I've done it for so long so I'm really just really repeat what I have done for the last 10 years Yeah, give or take and yeah so it's just more of the same um, and then learn from my mistakes from previous years and Tweaking nutrition, tweaking tweaking equipment, um, just little marginal gains I can get because you know, and, and it is marginal gains at 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 this level of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm never going to get 30 minutes or 40 minutes because I'm not really at the beginner level. So yeah. it's just small, small, small stuff I'm looking for. Yeah. And what would your like training philosophy be for training for an Ironman? Is it high volume? Although I know just from your Instagram and some videos you've done, like you do train a lot and a lot of volume. Would that be your main thing of getting miles in and what intensity and controlling your intensity at every session or have you more free reign and things? Yeah. Well, d- different athletes are, 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 are you know, it's just horses for courses and, mm-hmm. uh, Different athletes react to different types of training differently. Um, I'm just the diesel engine. And for me to sort of, I react very well to high volumes of training, very, very high volumes of training. Um, and I get a good good bit of fitness out from it. And, you know, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, Ironman training is, Ironman racing, sorry, is, is it's not fast. You know, you're, you're, you're like you're never really swimming that hard. You're never actually biking that hard, and you're not actually running that hard. Mm-hmm. It's just whenever you put them all, it's just a long bloody day that makes it so hard. Yeah. And for me anyway, you know, it's 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 been just over the many many years building a huge aerobic base off. I'm just I end up getting very very fit, and I don't actually get that slow either because I can. I'm not too overly too slow at the short or middle distances either, and. Mm-hmm. It's it's horses for courses, you know. It works for me. Big volume works for me, and any repeat athlete who I've ever seen going to Kona or qualifying for Kona seems to be of a similar thing. Um, you know, there is athletes who are tight for time and think that going the low volume, high intensity route is the way to go. It's not really the way to go. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's sustainable. Um, and it, that's just my opinion. Yeah. It's just my opinion. It's, big volume as much as you can handle you know everybody has life stresses family work so on and so forth and you just have to work with what you have available and Mm -hmm. that's about anything else after that would you have much intensity and you're training at certain times of the year as well a bit of intensity at the moment uh building towards the 70.3s and the olympics and stuff but Mm -hmm. you know i i I don't know the exact figure but i'm sure 85% 85% to 87% of my training is, is low is low intensity. Yeah. It's just just low intensity, lots of volume. Now don't don't get me wrong, I do I do short, I do hard stuff. But compared to other people who I see, it's 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 yeah, it's volume, you know, it's volume over intensity. And yeah. you know, and I think I'm testament to that type of training strategy, I think, because you know, if you can qualify for Kona 10 or 11 years in a row. You, know, you don't need to be a speed machine. You just need yeah. to be like resilient. You need to be a workhorse. Yeah. And yeah, that's, you know, that's just my opinion, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And are you controlling like that when you're saying low intensity? Are you working off power, heart rate? Have you been tested? Do you do any form of lab testing? Or they get them numbers that that you want to keep it under, etc. or? Well, yeah, for, for for many many years now, like I've, I've had my heart rate zone set. I haven't changed probably in I don't know ten or twelve or even thirteen years, whatever it is. And you know, it, it's just you can, your numbers are going to be your numbers. And in January and February and March, whenever I am relatively unfit for me, and it's just staying under certain heart rate caps mm-hmm. and working and work. And the same on the run, and the same on the bike. And I don't really switch to actually power focus until I feel as if I've the aerobic engine is back you know mm-hmm. and even now 
in zone one, zone two, but above race pace power wise. Yeah. So the aerobic efficiency is there. Yeah. And that's really it, you know. And you know, for now, I, I can do most of my sessions, uh, if not all of my sessions, without really needing to look at heart rate because mm-hmm. I know exactly. I could probably tell you what the heart rate would be without even looking at my watch. Yeah. Simply because I'm in not race shape, but I'm in some sort of shape now. I'm mm-hmm. not so. Um, you know, I use power uh, mostly on the bike for when I'm doing race specific stuff. You know, if I'm doing Ironman sets or seventy point three sets or something like that, there longer sets. Mm-hmm. Um, Power for me is definitely more at the moment, anyway, because of the fitness that's probably there. Heart rate is probably not the best thing to be going by. Power is probably a better metric at the moment to be going by. Um, mm-hmm. But that changes, you know, when you put yourself into a, a heat chamber or whenever it does get hot, and heart rate is something that you do need to be on top of as well. So yeah. there's lots of that stuff that, that has to be done, that has to be kept an eye on. And, Testing, yeah, I done a few lactic tests there a while back, a few metabolic tests a while back, and go head back over to England. They're all going well. Hopefully, if within the sixteen-week period, building up the corner just to get metabolic stuff. I don't believe it'll tell me anything different, but it's at least I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really it. And it's for me the the main thing is getting my body able to cope with the the heat and the humidity. Yeah. Um, with uh, Kona, more so the humidity, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And are you are you looking at heart rate and power on the day in Kona, on the bike, or are you just going off feel? Yeah, I can't say I go off feel because I, I do I do look at heart rate and I do look at power, but there's only really one. There's a few particular sections in Kona where you, where you do need to, to to watch your power and watch your heart rate. Mm-hmm. The first, within the first two or three miles, there's a, a climb up Kuakini Highway. And it's not actually a steep climb, but you, you're going up and up and up, and it's really easy going up to push above threshold power because you're fresh. In the first few years, I was going up at ridiculous watts, which I think yeah. I, I was going to win the race. And <laughs> no, but you, you learn with that mistake. And so at that section, you do need to keep an eye on your power. And you know, I've definitely, as, as years went on, I've, I've went up at a relatively low power. Mm-hmm. And I'm up to Halvey, which is quite a long climb. It's, I could be 15, 16 mile long. Mm-hmm. And it's not overly steep. But it's just so 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 sapping and and you're normally cycling cycling into a block headwind at that stage. You know you will be cycling into a block headwind at that stage. So watching power there and heart rate is vital. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the rest of the time, you know, I, I know when I'm going too hard because if I think when you're in peak 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 form, your heart rate normally plays ball and your power normally plays ball, and you should know. Yeah. And um, I keep an eye on it, but you know, I generally don't need to. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And just touching back on, I had a question on your training volume, like weekly now, what does a typical week look like if you were to break it down between swim bike run in terms of hours? If you in don't terms mind, of power, if you don't mind no, sharing. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, so this week, well, there's, there's quite many, many, many weeks now. It's probably in around 22 to 24 hours. I've done a few 26s and 27s. Um, recovery weeks normally in around 18, 19 hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so that's which is a lot, week. which is a lot of volume if you for obviously you're competing at a high level, but for uh, age group athlete, that is professional numbers and for some professionals, um, yeah, it is. You know, I, I fully understand that not every age group has that time, but you know, my job is, is I own the bike. So like my job is from six to eight hours of cycling a week. Mm-hmm. 
but that 16 hours is, is combined into my to my training so so we have eight hours there say for example anything goes six to eight hours mm-hmm. of work which is actually training yeah. yeah so you know i'm pretty blessed in in that in that form and then so i've been lucky in that so my job is actually um riding the bike even mm-hmm. though not you know professional or anything out there so that does help out like tremendously yeah and where where is that cycling studio and just give it a shout out there where's yeah, your fun to, it's fun to cycling studio so it's in camilla and uh, not too far from where i live here so yeah we've it's you know it's, it's something that, you know you're going to work and you're putting a set of bib shorts on so you know well, there's another yeah i i for me anyway i enjoy the the coaching end of things i enjoy I, people who know me know i am passionate about it and i love helping people out and it's it's uh, you know it's it, you know it's a, it's a corny but true here and if you, if you love what you do you never work a day in your life yeah thank I've, I've found that job and it allows me to do it allows me to go to work and it allows me to do training at the same time yeah and did you did you just start that studio as a result of getting in the triathlon and is it only in the last few years that you've been doing the cycling studio no, so it's, well, with COVID, well, we were closed there for, they only reopened there for three or four weeks. Um, mm. So we were closed of all of last year or whatever lockdown and stuff. So um, we were open three years, I think. Maybe, no, this October could be four years, I forget, but we were closed for 18 months of that. Um, yeah, you know, it's just something I've had a passion for, um, mm-hmm. for a long time. You know, if you can work your job into your training. That's you know, ideal. What's wrong? Good, isn't that's, it? That's ideal. Um that's um so Kona this year on what's the goal what's the is it the are you faster than before are you stronger than before are you hoping they am i faster am i stronger um but i'm wiser <laughs> i think in Kona we'll all be fast and we'll all be strong um, and this it's it's such a really hard course to uh, to master in terms of the heat and humidity but uh, I believe I turned quite a significant milestone corner when I qualified in 2019. I raced Kona 2019, and then we, I went to Cozumel mm-hmm. in Mexico, which uh, five or so weeks after Kona, doing to try and requalify again. Yeah, and it's a spectacular race. So anybody out there wanting to do a race, what an unbelievable race it is! Um, and I did qualify, and the conditions. I, I, I was going to, to Mexico, going. Why in the name of Jesus am I going to, to Mexico to try and qualify for whenever I struggle so much in the hum- heat and the humidity mm-hmm. in Kona? Because the conditions in Cozumel and Mexico are identical almost to the ones in Kona. Yeah. The course, the bike course in, in Cozumel is is a, it's just the most flattest bike course you could ever imagine. But it is very hot and it's very humid and windy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I learned a, f- a few like. I blew up sort of in the last 10 or 12k in the run in Kona in 2019 and I was simply down to taking in too much sodium and too, I too thought much. too much sodium yeah so I was like I went and I got salt I was sweat tested and all the tests I could do of the day and took all the advice on board and you know you can only do this mm-hmm. and unfortunately it just didn't work out for me I just I was completely overloaded with sodium and mm-hmm. You know, having too much sodium on is equally as dangerous as having yeah. too little sodium. It can lead to quite bad stuff. Yeah. And so in 2019 in Kona, that's just what happened to me. So I just, I just blew up, but I got, I got severe, severe, severe cramps 
mm-hmm. from too much sodium during the run in Kona. And, you know, I came home, I was ticked off a little bit. I analyzed, I see, I seen where, what went wrong and I adjusted. I flew to Cozumel in Mexico and same conditions. It was actually hotter in Mexico and no clouds on race day. So it was just one of the really, really hot day and sunshine of days and changed my nutritional plan and strategy around and I cruised it. I absolutely cruised it. The run, the, the run was pretty good for me in Cozumel. You know, I, I was very controlled, was on the no difficulty at any stage and it was just simply down to changing a few simple things. Mm-hmm. First thing I did that night after I finished the race, I actually wrote down exactly what I did in the week before what I took pre-race, during the race, and after the race was only beer. Um, <laughs> and, I that, and I have that written down there. So, you know, when I get back to Kona, that yeah. will be... It's a confidence booster. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so confidence booster is, is, is the correct word because I know now I can definitely perform in the heat and humidity and mm-hmm. quite confident of going back and doing that. That's not to say people... For me, Kona is a, is a bit of a magical island. You know, if you look and go at the or, or well, you can really have no bad luck whenever you're standing on an island. No way, I suppose, but I can just try my best. Yeah. yeah. And I'm confident about the heat, I'm confident about the humidity. And, you know, I think with the couple of years we've all had, you know, if I can just get there, we'll, mm-hmm. I'll worry after that. Good stuff. It'll be interesting to see uh, how you get on. We'll be, we'll be tuning in anyway. Cheering. Um, I noticed on Instagram when you were using the Super Sapiens, did you find that helped for your preparation? No, I didn't actually stop using it. Okay. Um, yeah, so again, I do believe it's um, a good thing. Mm. But um, I put it on and for me, I was I was just check, I was just checking it too much. I was mm. it was actually putting more stress more stress on me. Yeah. Than it was actually worth, um, because I was just if I'd eat something, I'd look at it. If I something, and if the numbers didn't say well, what I wanted them to say, or I was doubting them, and it, for me, it was just it was probably put it was putting too much stress on me looking at blood sugar because they had a coffee and it did this, or I ate eggs and they did this and blah. But day it's good enough. I, yeah. I don't need the thing to watch, and I do believe probably in the next two to three years, um, it'll be every athlete will have it and stuff. But mm-hmm. it was just what. Definitely, yeah. uh, I put it in the bin, and I'd rather focus on my training than. Yeah, than I, I know where I know where you're coming from. I used it myself, and I think you're you over obsess about what this food does and what this food does. And for me, using yeah. it, I find that I'm fueled for sessions. Uh, done some races with it on. I've been good in races with not changing anything in particular, just my normal diet. So I was happy. It was like a confirmation that. I'm feeling correctly for for training and racing, but I think you can over obsess. And even the other night, the two weeks finished, so I wasn't using it. And I was like, ah, this isn't on, so I can have a bowl of cereal with honey on it. <laughs> Whereas when you're you're using it, you're going, ah, I don't have honey because you don't want to see a spike or something. But um, it's useful, I think, if you're having trouble feeling. I think if you're finding yourself bonking a lot or you're you're not getting I, things right I, I think if i had have continued to use it i would have vastly on under fuel okay. because at night time blood sugar was super stable mm-hmm. uh, when i got up in the morning i was having my espresso and stuff super stable when i rode my bike for two to three hours with on no with on just protein and fast with no carbs super mm-hmm. stable 
And then I would come home and then I would eat whatever I would eat, like generally low enough carb, but I'd get carbs in. It would just spike so much. And then for me then, I, I, there was times of the day where I was absolutely starving. Mm-hmm. But the number was saying, you're so stable. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at an app going, well, I don't really need to eat anything, even though I was absolutely starving because this app is telling me my blood sugar is now stable. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to eat anything now. Like, that's yeah. stupid. Yeah, Absolutely. So had I continued with it, I probably would have, I think it would have led to bad things because mm-hmm. I would have, once I get in the mood and, okay, the app says don't eat, don't eat. Mm-hmm. But your body saying, please feed me. Mm-hmm. I think you trust your body and not the app. Yeah. I think it's same as what you were saying earlier for like training and stuff. It's different people have different, um ways of doing things and enjoy different data fed back to them some people like no data some people like a lot of data and i think i heard alistair brownlee say it once like he doesn't do anything unless he's going to use it the next day in terms of there's no point doing a test for lactate if he doesn't feel he's going to use them numbers next day if he's going to go out and do the same thing so i think it's the same with that if you if you feel you need it it's a good metric if not just yeah, I, I think I think generally, if if your diet is, it, like we don't need to be scientists to realize that our diet is either good, middle, or bad. And if you know that your diet is generally good and clean, and you're getting the correct amount of carbohydrates and fats and proteins and stuff, if you know you're eating nothing but cereals or you're eating nothing but breads, nothing but nothing but potatoes and all these higher starch hypercar, you, you like you're only fooling yourself going well no no i'm actually okay i can do this mm-hmm. we, we all know it's, it's it's not rocket science and you know you don't have to have a degree in nutrition to, to to know this type of stuff but i'm a firm believer in we should know what's best for ourselves but at that there's so much help out there at the moment mm-hmm. and is it see, i don't know everything about the, the nutritional side of stuff and i'm always willing to learn and improve and stuff but i intend to do that in a more not logical way but a more safe manner if that makes any sense because I'm not stupid i am wise to the whole game and um there's no way i'm putting myself into any trouble you know, going back you, many 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 years um the first go back to the first kona actually and i went to the island thinking i was in the best shape of, of all mm-hmm. and i um, rack off the top walk down lee drive and then you see all the guys and even the girls walking up and the six packs on their on their forehead and I, Jesus Christ. And I can remember that first year. I felt so bloody paranoid. And I was actually, it was in good shape. Mm. And I put my top back on. And for the whole time I was in Hawaii, I didn't, wouldn't take my top off because I felt I was just too, I was too heavy. I was too overweight. And then the next year I, I re-qualified again and I just completely changed my diet completely. Went completely no or low carb. Dropped a load of weight. All the six packs and all the veins that you want to have. But felt so crap when I was doing it. And that actually continued for about two or three years mm. where I was little on and you know starving myself going to bed hungry and doing all the stuff now that if, if somebody told me i would go will you wise up like mm-hmm. why did you even do it? but you know you have to learn by your mistakes yeah. and i learned um and so it's there's you need to be careful you definitely need to be careful certainly when, when it comes down to, to the nutritional side and stuff and as i mentioned a few moments ago there's more than enough people out there with wisdom to help you on your way mm-hmm. definitely good stuff Owen, if you have a few more minutes, I think we'll finish up with a few quick fire questions, if you don't mind. Yeah, you yeah, it's no problem. But a fun, but uh see what your thoughts and some things are. So first up, your favorite session. 
favorite training session they do? Favorite training session. I think my training my favorite training session is those long Ironman preparation days. I just love those long set yeah. sets at Ironman, and, uh, and that's normally followed off by a two-hour run off the bike. Good stuff. Favorite training destination? Lanzarote. What part of the island do you usually train from? Or normally stay in Port Del Carmen. Um, okay. Uh, you go either in the hotels or I've gone over to try sport Lanzarote quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Friends with the guys over there. And yeah, so I had actually a few training camps booked for myself and the athletes. And well, it actually worked out good because on the day we were actually meant to fly over to Lanzarote last year, they locked down the island. Oh. So we were, even though we didn't get to go on our camp, but at least we were stuck here. Uh. Um, yeah, but Lanzarote, anyways, is definitely one of my favorite locations. Good stuff. I'm not sure if you do you follow the ITU triathlon much. The Olympics, are you interested not, in that? Not really. Yeah, not really. I, I do. I, I, I do when I don't. I, I, um, Would you have a top pick for one Olympic champion, male and female? No, because the only one really one who I know is that guy who's doing the seventy point three now. Is it um, the guy who won Daytona or didn't he, win Daytona? Gustav Eden. Yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he he definitely. Is to be a, for, a force to be reckoned with yeah him, him and christian blumenfeld they're both norwegian yeah. their their plan yeah. is to do the olympics and then go to kona so yeah hope, hopefully you see them in kona it'll be interesting to see how they fare out again yeah, yeah it'll, it, it'll, it'll be good but first of all i do really hope to see them there and but it'll be really interesting to see how they react to the conditions in kona yeah yeah as you know I've went to Kona in in the majority of the years in absolute peak physical physical condition. It doesn't matter. It's just mm. such a magic, special place. If it decides it's going to hammer you that day, it'll hammer you. Mm. So it's good, but at least they'll learn. Or yeah. they do well. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they'll win Kona. I think for Dean will win Kona along this year. Well, uh, that's my next question. Kona winners, 2021, male and female. For Dean and Reef, easy. They're just too dominant. They're Something has to happen for Dino and Reef for them not to win. You know, a puncture mm-hmm. or a sickness or something like that. There, there's for me, they are far, far too dominant. Like, my favorite Ironman athlete is Sanders. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I like, I love for Dino. I like, I love following Dino Sanders, and I would really, you know, I'd love to see him win Kona. Mm-hmm. Um, good to but, see. Yeah, but he, for Dino and Reef, it's just seemed to be so far ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um. Favorite post race food? Uh, well, in Kona, uh, just across from the finish line, those who have been there will know Splashers. Um, it's I forget the name of the burger, but it's it's humongous. And no, I'm normally sick as a pig when I'm eating it, but it's just a bacon cheeseburger with chips and a beer. Lovely. Favorite film? Well, that's a good one. Uh, well. The one that popped into my head, I may as well say it, is Wolf of Wall Street. Good stuff. Good film. Yeah. Um, have you got any pre-race rituals? Something you have to do or... Um, well, in Hawaii, uh, I've, all, I've, always, I've always went down to the beach and I've said a prayer. Or a, do you want to call it a prayer? Just, I'm actually just so thankful to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really all I've done, and just to really ask for a safe 
a safe race. That's really all I've ever done. Um, apart from the normal stuff, just being methodical with getting my gear and stuff ready. But other than that, no, not really. Good stuff. Um, biggest inspiration, sporting or in life, just in general? You know, I've been asked this question loads and loads of times, and I, 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 and I always actually come up blank with this. Um, you know, those who are insp- inspire me at the moment, but I, I couldn't say he's my biggest inspiration is Sanders. I just like the way his approach to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, te- I generally don't tend to look up to this, you know, the, the superstars and that type of stuff too much because um, you, I think people can only end up comparing themselves to those type of guys and girls and, and want to be those type of guys and girls. And I think my biggest inspiration is actually myself, probably, and um, because. Well, those who know me I'm certainly not a big headed boastful type of a guy but you know if for me if I look after me I'll, I'll be fine good stuff sorry I just had a plug on the laptop it came up it was white day there that one of the day but um, oh, sorry I think I heard um, the runner Jacob Ingerbritzkin who just set a new record did you see that though in it the new 5k no 12, 12.48 for 5k he's a phenomenal He's only 20, 20 years old, but he was asked a similar question of, is there any role models? And he was like, nah, she says, I don't have role models because anyone that, when I was younger, done a good performance. He says, I appreciate good performances, but he says, I just want to beat them. He says, and he says, I just feel like I want to beat them. So yeah. uh, similar yeah. to yourself, just focus on yourself. Um, if you could train for one week with any athlete in the world, who would it be? Sanders. Good. Yeah. He's a crazy man. He's a crazy man. He's a class. I'm actually I'm actually getting to like even Sam Long now. He seems for the first while he came he came across as a bit of a dick. Yeah, he actually is coming across as as quite good now. And but if if I had a pick, it'd be it'd be if I had to make two choices, it would be Saunders because I think it'd be good fun and a bit of crack, even though quite serious. But if if I really wanted the serious end of stuff for Dino. Yeah, just for the numbers and the, the professionalism. Yeah. And the He's guess. actually quite friendly. He is too, though. That day that we rode back with him uh, in from um, back in the Queen K, and, you know, he's more than happy to chat to us and more than happy to give us little tips and stuff. So he was a super nice guy. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't believe I've, I've actually spoken to any professional, um, especially in Kona, that hasn't been courteous and hasn't been helpful and stuff like that and they, they if you take up the pressure that they're under there from the sponsors and all the bits and pieces in the week mm-hmm. of Kona you know I've very rarely heard of of any of those pros certainly in the last 10 or so years being rude to anybody which is good it's yeah. testament to the sport yeah. even though the and there's just no drama queens there yeah they're normal they're normal people I suppose at the end of the day and if they although they're, they're some of them are big stars they just I think it humbles you just having to do the training and they probably feel yeah. the same way as any of us might feel going to do a local sprint or Olympic. So it's the same. Yeah, I, I, they, they appreciate it, I, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Because, you know, for me, anyway, personally, no matter how good you are, if you're the top professional or even the experience and stuff I have, if, if you can't make time for, for people who are trying to make their way up, mm-hmm. Well, there's a reward for them type of people, I think. Uh, a lot of it mentioned it here. You know, you're a dick for one for a, a better word, and yeah. you, you always make time for the, for the for the for the people who 
or trying to get to your level or trying yeah. to be professional to be to get to Kona or whatever, finish the five k or do the first half Ironman. Everything if you can make time for them, you're not a really good person. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I think you're right there. It's a testimony to the sport because even I'm hoping to have some professional athletes on the show and even reaching out on Instagram and email them. Like a lot of them have been more than willing to come on and they're just buzzy. Like you mentioned Sam Long there. Hopefully I'll have him on at this year yeah. at some stage. It's just he's um busy in some race prep at the moment, but he's like more than happy to come on, he said later in the year and some ITU guys coming up as well. So it's just Brilliant. there's just some great people and happy to share and they have great experience but they're willing to share it on and inspire other people same as yourself coming on here and i think someone someone in a position who's just starting out and you're extremely relatable because you're you're from ireland if someone's listening to this from ireland you're from ireland as well and they might see at local races but there you are out in kona 10 times and it's just a something people can take inspiration and motivation from that they can it's possible for them to get the the likes of where you're at and um of course and get there so thanks for coming on and giving us yeah, your be my tips and definitely. sorry anytime. what was that no it might be it's been my pleasure anytime at all yeah. it's good to it's good to talk and good to chat and hopefully some people can take some goodness from this and or some tips from it and you know yeah. who knows definitely a lot of value in there a lot of tips and um I'm sure people will get motivation and be. Uh, I'm certainly. I've already done a few hours training this morning, but I'll be even talking about racing and training. You want to get out the door again? I'll see if. Uh, I'll see if It'll I'm alive. <laughs> the the uh, sooner the better that the racing goes back. Uh, it's, the sooner the better because it's from, for the social end of stuff, not the fact of actually racing. For this, we 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 just need to get back to normality now, and yeah. that's we need to race and we need to get out there, talk to people and get our lives back to normal and that's what we need to do that's it hopefully i see you at some races this year one thanks a million yeah, for coming well, on no you're welcome man. no problem at all so show's over thanks everybody for listening hope you enjoyed that chat with owen it was great to hear all about his training and his preparations for ironman and for the Kona World Championships we wish Owen all the best heading to his 11th Kona this October and we thank him for his time coming on the show giving us so much advice and tips and insight into his training Um, if you did enjoy the show please subscribe please leave a review and give us some feedback every wee bit helps so appreciate everyone that listens and any shares and uh, feedbacks very much appreciated so thank you we'll be back next wednesday with another great guest can't wait for you to hear this one and yeah stay tuned cheers